Well, thank you for having me at your place uh, for Good Life at Your Place. And uh, we are starting a brand new series called Audacious Power. We've just finished a series called Stronger because we know and we've seen and we believe that those that have a daily walk with God in the everyday are gonna be stronger to tackle all the things of the everyday. You've got, a, you've got a God who loves you and wants to be involved in your life. And so you're gonna tackle things better. You're gonna overcome, you're gonna live victorious how God's called you to be when you can be stronger with the presence of God and a daily devotion to Him. We wanna continue on with that, with this series called Audacious Power in the lead up to our summit conference. And everyone's welcome to be a part of that. You would have heard about that in the update, but make sure you get on the website and register for that one. Don't miss it, it's gonna be absolutely amazing. Now, in with Audacious Power. Here's, here's my thought. There's some things about God that are not audacious. Um, and there's some things that about him that are audacious. Let me put it this way for you. Um, here's the pitch of Jesus. He's a perfect God, right? Um, the son of God who goes, look, I'm not hanging out in heaven. My, 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 my people, my creation need me. And so he just leaves heaven, gets involved, humbles himself, comes as a child, comes... Uh, vulnerable in the hands of his own creation. Oh, it's pretty perfect, right? It's an audacious thing, but he's a perfect God, so you're probably expecting some good things out of him occasionally. Um, he, he goes through all sorts of stuff, um, including he comes back from the death. He comes back from the grave. He defeats death, hell, and the grave. And you're like, man, that's audacious. But if I think about it, he's meant to be this perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-places kind of God. Well, at least it makes sense. You might think it's audacious, but he's claiming to be God. So if it's actually God, then it's maybe not quite so audacious. Um, if I think about the miracles that Jesus performed, you've got the metaphysical kind. He feeds 5,000 with some kid lunch. Um, he walks on water. These are metaphysical kind of miracles. And you'd go, well, fair call, he is. Jesus, yeah, I mean, he's fully man, but he's fully God at the same time. And you think about that, he, uh, he sees miracles. He prays for sick people and they get made well. You've got um, blind Bartimaeus who calls out and he heals him on the spot in front of people. Like audacious or should that be expected? Lazarus, come forth, you're dead. And out he comes in his grave clothes. You're like audacious or expected? This is an interesting thing because we would hope that a God that speaks the world into existence and decides to come into our neighborhood and show his care and his love and his direction for our life, you'd think there should be some miracles going on. But he doesn't stop just with people's bodily needs for a miracle, people's soul needs also. What about the prostitute whose life is completely changed around? What about the tax collector who becomes generous? That's a soul issue. That's a mind, will, and emotions type of issue. What about the demoniac who previously people couldn't chain down or rope down. He's living in amongst the tombs. He's in the cemetery, the dead center of town. All the, pe all the people are dying to get there, and the but they can't hold him down. He's living amongst the tombs. Jesus comes, casts out some demons, and when they all the townspeople come back, they find him seated, clothed. Well, that's a brilliant move for a previously naked guy. And at the feet of Jesus, learning from Jesus and in his right mind. I think, man, that's a... That's a that's a changed soul. But then Jesus doesn't just deal with changed bodies, miracles for bodies and miracles for people's souls, but 
miracles for people's spirits as well. And what about the adulteress that's going to get stoned, that's going to get punished for her adultery in the town square and the Pharisees and everyone try to trap Jesus and bring him in and and he says, uh, look, he who's without sin cast the first stone. He's the only person in that, in that town that day who's without sin who could, in that case, cast the first stone. And all the accusers leave and he comes up to her naked in the middle of the town square, not irritated by her sin, not awkward by her nakedness. And he says, where are your accusers? Oh, they've all gone. Neither do I accuse you. And says these words, go and sin no more. What about the person, the thief on the cross? There's one that actually ridicules Jesus, another that says, don't be silly, this guy's done nothing. And he says to Jesus, will you remember me in your kingdom? And he says these words, today you will be with me in paradise. That, ladies and gentlemen, both those stories are a miracle in someone's spirit. When death comes to life, where darkness comes to light, where sin is washed away and a brand new start and I don't deserve that receiving that and you don't deserve receiving that but yet that's on offer and that's what Jesus does. Jesus brings miracles to people's bodies and souls and spirits and I think that's amazing but audacious, maybe not. Is it audacious that a God who comes to earth should actually act like a God? I think if Jesus didn't have those skills then maybe he should go back to God's school was he not listening in the tutorials? Should we now assess the competency-based training that Jesus went through when he was in heaven under the Father? There would be a problem. I don't know if it's completely audacious that Jesus carries power. I don't think it's audacious for the Son of God to be filled with power and share it with people on the planet. But I think there's a little bit of audacious things coming our way as we dig further into it. Um, I think what is audacious, really, is the fact that he saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Is amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I don't deserve it. and Well, frankly, you don't either. I, I know a bunch of the good life is watching it. And in every place, every location, you don't deserve it. You know it. And, and we can try to pretend to have this... This, uh, this look of we're all got it together, but truth be told, none of us deserve it. You don't deserve the grace of God to have your sins forgiven. No matter how much of a good kid or, or how bad you were, none of us deserve it. We're still all undeserving. And it would be audacious that he saves a wretch like me. He found you broken. He found you rebellious. He found you stubborn as a thief, as a liar, proud. That's audacious that he would actually save a wretch like you and me. But the audacity continues to ramp up. Fine for Jesus to have the power of God to change body, soul, and spirit. But then it becomes really audacious when he saves a wretch like you and me. And then he goes to the next level. Number two point of what's audacious is that he would include broken people. People that don't even deserve salvation would include us on the plan of bringing salvation and life to the planet. The hope of Jesus Christ is available for all people, but... Jesus himself does not walk the streets of Tuncurry or Rathmines or Pine Hill. Jesus himself is not walking those streets, but yet he sent you. He included you in on this. I'm here at Cameron Park. Jesus himself in the flesh is not here, but he's put my family in this community. He's put me in Newcastle. He's put you where you're at. He includes you and me. He found you broken. He found you weak. He found you fallible. Ladies and gentlemen, that is audacious because how many of us have fixed all of that? None. 
It's audacious that he would save a wretch like you and me, but then he would use us. Matthew 28 and verse 19 puts it this way. Jesus, he says, he's come back from the dead at this point. Therefore go, whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you've got to know. It's a little bit cheesy, but it's there for a reason. So you can go back and do your homework later about that one. But therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, that Jesus would put that commission in your and my hands when we are far from perfect or dangerous. But he goes on. Because he knows you can't do it on your own, he gets involved with you on a daily basis. And God's audacious power then comes in you, before it can go through you, before the audacious power can go and help you do what you're called to do, he wants to actually connect and commune and heal and, and bring love to your soul. He, This audacious power now comes into you to heal you and amazing how he ordains it to happen in community. It would be nice if my weaknesses could be dealt with in the secret, but yet God seems to think it's brilliant that I would actually work that through in community. That you would see my weakness is actually God's plan. That I would see yours is God's plan. That we would forgive each other as we receive forgiveness from him. That's the Lord's Prayer in Matthew. That is audacious. The audacious power that God has given is to heal you. And he ordains it in community. In a fallible Community, that is audacious. James chapter 5 and 16, therefore confess your sins to one another. Audacious, isn't it? And pray for each other. Yeah, that fallible person is now going to pray for you in community. You're at a watch party right now. You're, you go to a connect group at Good Life Church. You've decided, I don't want to be isolated. I want to lean in, especially at this time. You're thinking, man, I want to join in. I don't want to isolate. I want to lean in on that. It is audacious that God would want to do that. And it's uncomfortable at times, but it's God's perfect plan because he knows us and he knows him and he knows the call that we're called to do. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be... Healed, the healing that God has got for you is done in community. That's why you're going to find a good life church all the time. Hey, come to a connect group. Come to a connect group. Why? Is it because we want your diary full? No, it's because we want our hearts full of the healing that God has got for us. We see and we receive healing and we share in the healing and the celebration of people's growth in community. It goes on, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When you can pray for your brother and sister, they're fallible, you're fallible, you can see their healing. That is audacious. The audacious plan of God is wild. I wouldn't have picked it, but he doesn't stop there either. The fourth thing that I find audacious in this journey of dealing with Jesus, the, 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 the infallible, the powerful, the all places, the nothing that restricts this God, and then he decides to restrict himself to working with you and me. Wow, the fourth thing along that journey is not just that he saved a wretch like me or that he includes you and me or that the audacious power comes inside of me to heal me, but that it's the audacious power to live with him every day. Lamentations chapter three. Now we're going to the Old Testament on this one. We're digging deep. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. As some translations say, his mercies never fail. 
And then it goes on in verse 23, they are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. We're fallible, we mess up. You're going to miss the mark. We can do things that we regret, but his mercies are new every single morning. There is an audacious power that God is connecting with you, his presence and his power so that you could live with him and for him at every step of the way. His mercies in you every day. Great is his faithfulness. When I'm faithless, he is faith-filled. When I'm not faithful, he is always faithful. He is always there. He never leaves. He never forsakes. His presence is here for you right now. And because of those four things, he saved a wretch like me. He included a wretch like you and me to actually bring salvation and life to the world. He's got an audacious power for all of those wretches so he could heal us and then want to live with us in every step. I never, ever want to go again. I never, ever want to assume ever again that a person I love, that a person that I believe in, the person that says that they are walking with Jesus, I never want to assume ever again that you've got a daily walk with Jesus. I never want to do it. I have for years gone, come on, we've all got to walk with God. Let's go for it. Now let's go from that point. But how many times have I seen people get so involved with the work of the Lord that they forget the Lord of the work? That's why we covered the topic of stronger, ladies and gentlemen. Not just that we would preach to our congregation, but yet through connect groups and through community, we would share that and encourage each other. You need someone for you to go to and actually to be open and honest in regards to this area of life. There's a power of God to work through you, but... Please don't take another step into the power of God, the audacious power that we're about to get involved with and then dig into without realizing this audacious power is for me to just live with him every day. His mercies are new every day. Out of the last seven days, how many of those days did you have a transformative connection point with heaven? That you felt his grace and you felt his love and your heart was open and something happened. Maybe you got something from the word of God. I was recently at a seminar and there was a lot of complicated things. It was all about pastoring and leading and, and, and delving into personal issues. And as I went for a walk, we had half an hour to actually just go and pray and see what God was saying to us. And out of all these complicated things that I had to deal with, I felt God whisper to my heart, hey, Dave, don't overcomplicate it. Let's just hang out. And I thought, man, this God knows me well, doesn't he? He knows how I click. And from that point, we're digging and delving, but I don't want to overcomplicate it. His mercies are new every day, but he's not just treating me like a number. He doesn't treat you like a number either. It's audacious that he would get involved. It's audacious. Isn't it audacious, though, that we could get so busy doing the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work? It's audacious that we would allow ourselves to get there. And if that's you, if that's your habit, please, don't do that again. It's easy to go there, but... Look to a mentor, look to a connect group leader, look to a pastor to be humble and say, here's where I'm at. I don't want to do that ever again. It would be audacious for us to think that we could do something great for God without the God inside of us. The God of greatness dwelling inside of our hearts. I want to encourage you to be a, commun- be a part of a community of faith that uplifts each other towards a connection every day relationship with Jesus Christ. It is audacious that that power would live within us so that we could live with him and for him. But it's just as audacious that we would start living for him without living with him. And now, we're under the fifth thing that I think is audacious about this. It's not audacious that Jesus has got power. It's not audacious that he rises from the dead. He's God. 
and then I think it's audacious that he would work with us. But then the fifth thing that I think is remarkably audacious, and I think it's where the audacity ramps up, is actually when the power starts to work through us. That we start to look brilliant because of the God of heaven decides to work in and through us. Matthew chapter 28. I told you that when Matthew 28, 19 said, therefore go into all the world, that it was there for a reason. So we're going back to the verse before to find out what that reason was. And it says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now the hearers would have known, and I need you to understand that when Jesus says all authority has been given unto me, he's saying this is for you as well. What I've got, I'm sharing with you. What I've got, I'm giving to you. What I've got is your, is your inheritance also. That he has won that inheritance for us. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Come on, guys, you've got this authority. You can go for it. And Jesus wants you to know his audacious plan that he's going to work with fallible people like you and me. That he's going to save wretches like you and me. He's going to walk with us in every step of the way. That he's going to give us the power to heal us and to live with him. And now he wants that power to go to the world. That's how it works. It's an audacious plan for him to give his power into the hands of people that might think they're the ones that actually created the power or had something to do with it. That power is a theme of the Bible. Philippians 4.13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you and quickens your mortal body. Deuteronomy, Old Testament. It's from the whole of the Bible this comes from. Deuteronomy 28.13 The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 His divine power has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. The power for you is to live, to achieve, to overcome and join him in actually taking the power of God to the world. He has got a great plan for your life. But I tell you what, if we miss those early steps, we'll get to the fifth one and think we are the reason for the power. But humility says his mercies are new every day. He then gives us gifts. So different people have got different giftedness. We do this in growth track and you can be a part of growth track you can sign up there's different yeah i mean it was always uh, every term we've got a growth track happening at good life church we want to help you find your giftedness but it's amazing how people think that god's impressed by their gifts when he was the one that gave it like, look at my gifts isn't it amazing it points to the giver <laughs> not to the recipient of the gift the whole point of the gift is not to actually shine how brilliant i am but to actually shine a brilliant god to People who receive the gift. I'm just the vessel. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is where it unpacks a whole bunch of spiritual gifts. Why would God do that? Because you are not that good. No one is. I'm not. You're not. The person beside you might not be. Even the person in your campus that you think is the super spiritual one. Even the one that you think is an angel and might not sing. You go and talk to them and they'll say, yeah, I'm not that good, but I have a good God who gives his gifts and we want to shine to the world. It's audacious that God would save me. He would include me. He would heal me, that he would live every day with me and help me do that. But it's super audacious that then God would pour out his power through me to help other people, that he would shine his plan of loving the world through previously whole wretch like me. So what's this power for? What's this audacious power for? Why would he do that? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says you'll receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There it is again. The power of God is coming on you. You will receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. So I'm going to encourage you today. Just take a moment right now. Close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, come on me. Not because you're chasing the power. You just you want the Holy Spirit. God, I want everything you've got for me. Come on, just take a moment and close your eyes. And just between you and God, you can say it out loud. You can say it in your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, here's my heart. I give you my all. God, I ask Holy Spirit you would pour into my life. You say it with your words. Come on right now. Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you would move in every heart and every life. That there'd be an encounter point with heaven. Now in every home, through every screen, at every good life for every person watching on. Lord God, that you would pour out your spirit. Let the Holy Spirit pour out, Lord God, on your people. He says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not that you would enjoy it. Not that you'd have a good time. Not that you would look brilliant. So that you would be his witnesses. What's a witness do? But testify of the truth. And we can testify the truth with our words, but also with our actions. I never want to be the person that invites my friend or my neighbor to church or come and join me for a good life at your place, at my place. I never want to be the person that talks about sharing faith and that person goes, what, be a Christian like you? My witness is first with my actions and with my words. I don't want to miss either of them, but I've got to put put them in the right order. The Holy Spirit gives you power so that you can be a witness. And then it talks in scripture in Acts 1.8, it talks about different regions, essentially your hometown, the, the, the larger region, the place that's difficult to get to. And, and then he just goes, look to the ends of the earth. That might probably, it could even include New Zealand. Love you guys. But he says, this is what this power is for. And so Jesus does miracles in people's bodies, but then says, come on, you can do it. Mark chapter 16 and verse 18 says, when a believer lays hands on the sick, they will recover. In amongst a whole bunch of other cool things that Mark chapter 16 says believers can do. It says when a believer lays hands upon the sick, they will recover. You can see Jesus' miracles for people's souls. Now we put that in our hands. Remember I said James chapter 5 and verse 16, if you confess your sins to another and pray for each other, you might be healed. That's internal and external. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bind up the brokenhearted. There are miracles for people's souls, people's anxieties, people's fears, people's depressions, people's uh, nightmares and dreams because we believe God for a breakthrough, for miracles in their soul. It's in your hands you receive power and Holy Spirit comes upon you to see miracles in people's bodies, souls, and spirits. And the Bible talks about how to help people have a miracle in their spirit, go into all the world and make disciples. Acts 1.8, you receive power and the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witnesses where people receive the truth. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 says, if someone is caught in a sin, and you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. God wants miracles on planet earth in people's bodies, souls, and spirits. And it's audacious that he would use fallible wretches like me. But yet he does. He's not looking for your ability. He's looking for your availability. That's how it works. It's audacious. It's remarkable. It's wild. And it's brilliant. And it's such an honor. I remember when I first started to have my eyes open to miracles, I went with my friend on a preaching trip of New Zealand. I was carrying his bags, I was song leading, and whatever I could do, I was just happy to serve. I was young, I think I was 20, maybe 21, so I went on this mission trip. Some business person from my church paid for the fare, and 
I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I saw God's miracles in finances already, a metaphysical miracle of someone's generosity so that I could go and, and be a part of preaching the good news. I remember we went from town to town and preaching and I saw unbelievable miracles. There was one at Palmerston North in the North Island of New Zealand and I was there at this meeting four nights in a row. I was song leading, we were praying, people were coming to Christ, amazing miracles. I saw deaf ears open, blind eyes open. I saw a guy who actually had his shoulder fused and all of a sudden after prayer could move it. And it was like, man, the, and for 20 years couldn't move his arm. I'm like, this is amazing. And, but every night at the back end, at the back corner of this auditorium, there was this one girl, gothic, just crossing her and just scowling. And I'm like, whoa. And so we're praying, come on, God, get it. God, move on her heart. God, you love her. Show, her. show your love to this person. We're just believing for the walls to come down. We're praying, Holy Spirit, you'd move on. She's gone, come on, God, that she would come tomorrow night. And for the four nights, we're praying for this girl. We didn't know who she was. At the end of the fourth night, after we've had an altar call, people received Jesus, miracles have happened. Man, I'm finished singing. She comes up to the front to my friend, the preacher. And she says, and I was right there at the time because everything was kind of wrapped up. And she says, can I be a Christian? And he goes, sure, no worries. And I'm like, yeah, awesome, God, go do your thing. And so he leads her through a sinner's prayer. Jesus, come into my heart, be the savior of my life. I repent of my sin, I'll give my life to you, something like that. And then as that happened, she repeated. And I was actually meant to catch, like, like back in the day on a prayer line type of thing, people would often fall over. And so uh, there was catches. That's how we had the deacons do that kind of stuff. And I was at that point going, all right, I kind of slipped in going, oh, all the deacons have gone, I'll do it. And, um, and so I'm meant to, just in case, catch. And um, she didn't fall back nicely. She just, it's like her knees went to water and she just fell on the deck and I'm like, oops, I didn't catch her. She hit pretty hard and I'm thinking, that's not good. Um, but then what she did at that point was really wild. Her eyes in her, rolled back into her head. Her tongue came out and she was hissing and she was writhing on the ground like a snake. And I'm like, that is pretty unique. I'm looking at it going, I didn't think human bodies were meant to do that. And uh, essentially the, the, the demons, the things that she'd been giving herself to in, in a lot of acts of all kinds of wild things as a goth had meant that, that they didn't like what was happening. And so they reacted. The Bible says you can cast out demons in Jesus' name. That's what happened with that demoniac back with Jesus who ends up like clothed and stuff. Like Jesus cast out the devil and better out than you, I say. And so my friend Simon goes, come on, let's pray for her. And we kind of, I, I, I want to say we jumped on top of her. We kind of got down. We didn't jump on her. But yeah. And so we, we kind of laid hands and out you come in Jesus. When a devil is manifesting like that, it is, it is intimidated and it needs to come out. And so we're casting the devil out and maybe a minute, maybe two, it felt like a lot longer. All of a sudden she stops writhing around and the eyes roll back in her head and she kind of sits up and I'm thinking that was so cool. I'm never going to forget that. That was wild. And then she's kind of sitting up and she's quite groggy. It's like she's done a couple of rounds with Mike Tyson and I'm at this point holding like on, on, on her back. She's facing the front and I'm kind of propping her up because she's kind of like she's gone through a few rounds. And then she looks up at my friend Simon and she says, can you pray for me? And I'm thinking, I thought we just did that. <laughs> and she goes, and Simon goes, yeah, sure, what? And she rolls back her sleeves, her gothic sleeves and pulls it all back. And on both arms, there was, I've never seen such self-mutilation. There was scars, there was scabs, there was fresh weeping meat. It was... It was terrible. And I'm looking over the shoulder, seeing this going, oh, I've never, I've, never, I've never experienced anything like that, I've never seen anything like that. Can Jesus heal this? And my mate Simon says, 
of course he can. If I was in that spot, I'd be like, I hope he can. <laughs> and so I'm, this is all fresh to me. And so he's like, come on, we're gonna pray. And I'm like, normally when I pray, I'm gonna close my eyes. But for this one, I'm keeping my eyes open. I'm peeking over, I'm praying, God, heal, God, heal. I'm definitely eyes open watching. And fresh skin, just up both arms. All at the same time, just it went from the wrist and up this way until I looked at the arms and I'm going, that is fresh skin right there in front of my eyes. And I thought, this girl's had a remarkable, remarkable miracle. And we can go, wow. That whole deal of getting her soul cleansed, of getting the garbage out, that's wild. The whole deal of getting your skin on like a, a creative miracle in front of people's eyes, that I will never, never forget. That is like unbelievable. But do we take for granted the first thing that happened when a young lady came to the front and said, can I be a Christian and pray a prayer and have her sins forgiven? Because she could have gone to heaven with scars on her arms and be in eternity with Jesus. She could have shared the love of Christ everywhere she went with still scars on her arms saying, look, look at this, I once was lost but now I'm found. We remark at the arms and we remark at the demon coming out and the soul that got transformed. But have we lost the simple joy of going, God, your power is inside of me to see people come to Christ, that we can say, God, all of these are remarkable. So I decided from that day, I would try, I would share my faith because I thought that girl came to Christ as brilliant as it is that her arms got healed and her soul got delivered. Man, she's going to heaven. I thought this is the best thing ever. And so I started to share my faith and there were times when it was awkward, but I learned how to get better by trying and being awkward at first, it's how it works. You give it a shot, you work with faith, you're, you're on your training wheels. And I decided I, I would learn to be confident and bold because I wasn't, I, I, early days, I wanted people to like me too much. I wouldn't, I'd be building relationship and building friendship, but I wouldn't actually talk to that person because of the relationship I built. I'd be like, don't wanna risk it. But what's the most important thing that that person could have would be me to be bold to say, can I talk to you about Jesus? Can I be confident? Can I be bold? Can I share? These people in our world, they need relationship and they need example, but they need invitation. And right now, you can't invite them to a building that church can. So we've got to pray and say, God, what can I invite them to? You can invite them to join the service that you're currently watching right now. Isn't it audacious that God would put his power in your hands? Isn't it audacious that God would put his power in my hands, knowing my fallibility, knowing my weakness, knowing my mess-ups, knowing my track record, but yet he says, I'm going to do it. I believe in you. I love you. I want to include you. Isn't it audacious that God would say when a believer, not a pastor, a believer, lays hands on the sick they recover? So I started to realize, man, I'm going to pray for it when I can. Someone I see has got a problem. I can obviously see the body's not, can I pray for you? What about that person that's going through an issue, a turmoil, anxiety, and they need a miracle in their soul? Can I say, hey, let me pray for you. We have the same power though, Christ from the dead, raised Christ from the dead, dwells inside of us. And I want to encourage you, the audacity of God's plan is that he doesn't leave the power with him. He puts it in my hands and yours. 
Forget thinking about your pastor. You've got brilliant pastors every good life campus, but yet he empowers every Christian to share the gospel, to think, how can I be a relationship and an example? But what can I invite them to? How can I share the gospel? How can I get better and better and better? And I would encourage you, don't stop sharing the gospel because you're awkward. Learn to get better at it. Ask people, ask your pastor, ask your connect group. Man, I'm praying for these people and it's not going through. I've prayed for people and they've been made well. I've been prayed, prayed for people that I had to bury and do the funeral. But all I know is the more that I pray, the more miracles that I see, the more times that I share the gospel, the more miracles of people's spirits I see. And I want to encourage you to realize that God has given you the power to share the gospel, to see miracles in people's bodies, souls, and spirits. And I can't think of a better time than when the doors of the church buildings are shut. That we would understand the power of God is for us in the everyday to share the gospel and see miracles. That is audacious. You need the Spirit of God every day. You need the Spirit of God to be healed. You need the Spirit of God to be included on His plan. You need the Spirit of God to save a wretch like you but you're going to need the Spirit of God to now take that power to the world and give it a go. And when it doesn't work, okay, God, I'm going to continue to press through and I'm going to continue to trust you until I see the miracles that I'm believing for. Come on, let me pray for you, Father. I thank you today that you move on every heart and every life. You brought miracles to the earth and then you left them in our hands. You empower us. You saved us and then you include us in on your plan. You heal us by your spirit. Lord God, you give us the power to live every day with you. We don't want to skip past that every day. Your mercies in you. We don't want to get so caught up in doing things for you that we forget the you that we're living for. But God, I pray, Lord God, that you would give us eyes to see the opportunities every day to pray for the sick. God, to believe God for a miracle in someone's soul. And to lay hands, Lord God, and pray for people that need a miracle. God, for those that need the gospel, I pray that you would give us a spirit of boldness. God, I pray that we would share the gospel with your love, with generosity, with faith, but also with the tenacity that says that person I'm believing for to come to Christ. And God, I'm praying that you would give me the opportunities. Give me the eyes to see the opportunities every single day to share the gospel. Lord God, let me see and think up opportunities to invite them to. If it's for a meal, if it's for good life at your place, if it's for a watch party, if it's for a connect group, if it's for a barbecue, God, whatever it is, let us be those that invite and open up our hearts and our homes and our lives to see miracles poured forth, not just in us, but now through us to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.